It was a very cruel scene. Executed in an unusual manner. Hey, Cruel Coven. Hey, Thundercats. Welcome to Cruel and Unusual, the podcast. I'm Tori. I'm Katie. And have we got some news for you? We got some news. News headlines, that is. Not really, not like funny ones no. really this week. But no. Some, you guys know sometimes we have funnies, sometimes we have like really weird shit, and sometimes we have really fucking heartbreaking shit, and that's the case at least for me today. What about for you? Um, Mine is actually, it's good. Yeah. It's a good thing. Yeah. But mine, and I'm sure everyone has already heard about this, but I think it's something that we should just totally emphasize because it's good news. Mm-hmm. U.S. Marshals, this is from CBSNews.com, and it's a quote. U.S. Marshals say they found 39 missing children in Georgia during a two-week operation. It's amazing. Fucking amazing. I hate the fact that these babies and children and teenagers, however old they were, had to go through this for who the fuck knows how long. That's the heartbreaking part. I think there was, from what I read, there was like a range. Like some were missing for a few days, some had been missing for longer, and there was an age range too. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just going to read a quote within a quote. Okay. You know how I am. Okay. You know how I am. (laughs) I know how you are. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Woo. Okay. Quote. The U.S. Marshal Service found 39 missing children in Georgia over two weeks in a mission known as Operation Not Forgotten, which I fucking love. The agency announced in a press release on Thursday, the operation led to the rescue of 26 children and the safe location of 13 others. Quote, these missing children were considered to be some of the most at-risk and challenging recovery cases in the area, based on indications of high-risk factors such as victimization of child sex trafficking, child exploitation, sexual abuse, physical abuse, and medical or mental health conditions, the press release reads. Isn't that just fucking heartbreaking? I hate that, but I'm so fucking glad Mm -hmm. that this happened and that this two, what they say, two-week um operation led to led to this yeah it's insane yep and they're doing this all the time oh yeah all the time just there's not as many successful ones right probably with that many kids exactly or maybe they're like ongoing like you know and they have to catch more people and stuff but this was just a really nice news article to wake up to in light of everything else shitty that's going on again right now still right now yep so yeah that's mine okay so mine is one that you might have seen too This is from the Washington Post. It's titled, Prosecutors move to release Florida man they say wrongly served 37 years for murder. That's crazy. 37 years for something he did not do. Could you even imagine? So Robert Dubois spent 37 years in prison for the rape and murder of a 19-year-old woman in Tampa. He never stopped trying to prove that he was innocent of this, that he didn't do it. He was arrested in 83 and he even like submitted to like a dental exam. He told police, quote, I want to do it and get it over with. I'll prove to you that I did not bite that girl. So I yeah. guess she had a bite mark left on her body. He was actually sentenced to death. But then they did reduce it to life. Mm-hmm. Um, so toward the beginning of this month of August, the rape kit from the 83 attack was discovered in a medical examiner's office. DNA was taken out and tested mm-hmm. against his. And then when they got the results, Robert was excluded as an attacker. The DNA didn't match. So that's all it took. Yeah. 
And he sat in prison for how long? 37 years. So he is 55. Oh my God. And he was in there for 37. He was 18. That is insane. So his whole fucking life? His entire life. Like his whole, like when you're like fucking getting married and having kids and like. Yep. So I guess the murder is still unsolved. So Barbara Grams was her name. She was 19 years old and she was killed in August of 83 when she was walking home from work in Tampa. And the original case against, against Robert, it was based on the bite mark evidence which they it's discredited now yeah like they right. don't really use that a whole lot right and then i guess they also use testimony from a informant a jailhouse informant oh okay in 2006 it says here that robert filed a motion to get the dna tested in 2006 mm-hmm. but he was told it was destroyed so that probably oh. pay, played a big yeah factor so i guess it was just like misplaced or wow that's unacceptable absolutely honestly i wonder how big his settlement's going to be i hope a lot it doesn't do. say but god not that that, is, it, it, that won't help no things, money's not gonna I mean, make up for that but ugh. but they fucking owe him yeah for sure well hopefully they catch her actual i mean i'm sure it's so fucking cold now but that doesn't mean anything right right so could yeah the article didn't say anything about the investigation but i'm sure it's going to be reopened yeah okay you guys so that was all of the headlines that we have for you today but i think katie has some qotds yes i have two qotds from audrey and i think it's from our instagram dms but i didn't write it down because i just can't be bothered no (laughs) i'm kidding but thank you Audrey. Um, yes all right question one have you ever said Bloody Mary in front of a mirror? I think we both I have think we together. both have together, yes. <laughs> in every house we've ever lived yes, in, probably. <laughs> absolutely. But nothing ever happened. No. <laughs> Never. It was very anticlimactic. Yeah. I don't know that I would do it by myself. I don't think anything no. would fucking happen. Has anything ever have you guys ever said Bloody Mary three times in a mirror? Yeah. I mean, I mean let us know. Mirrors. In the group. I don't like mirrors. Me either. Not honey. because the, I mean, okay, my reflection one, but um, I'm just always afraid I'm gonna like see something pop up. Yeah, all oh, for behind sure. me, and that's like horror movies have like it's, co- totally yeah. conditioned us to believe that. Right, right. If you see but, a mirror in a horror movie, yeah, you know, you know what's going to happen. I don't know that I would ever do it alone, but I would do it with you yeah. anytime. That would be fine, and I know that we've done it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just we freak ourselves out. Do you ever like do the thing where you're like you're alone? And you're like, oh, what if there's someone behind me, right? Yes. You know, you just yes. fuck, scare yourself for yes. no good reason. That is, and my therapist talks about that a lot. <laughs> yeah. She's like, that is our mind, like trying to like, it, my, our minds are fucking bored mm. and they're trying to come oh. up with some goddamn bullshit. Oh, I feel like I haven't been bored in years. <laughs> I wish I could But be. subconsciously. Yeah, yeah, you know? right. It's like, you know, you're like sitting and you're like thinking or like something. Like intrusive and, thoughts. Yes. Yes. Intrusive thoughts play a big part in my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no. I, oh, God. Remember how we were talking about, I was just remembering this, that we were talking about getting a Ouija board off mm-hmm. of eBay. <laughs> I feel like that would be so fun. We should do it. Ooh, and we I've can use a, it for Halloween time. Yeah. I did a Ouija board on a headstone in a yes. cemetery on Halloween yes. and nothing fucking happened. I need something to happen. Like, right. Make me right. believe. Right. Come to on. trigger you into like, uh, you know, I just need that one thing because yeah. I want to. Yeah. I like, yeah. you know, I'd Spooky like to shit. believe. Okay. Yeah. God. <laughs> shit. <laughs> okay. Question number two. If you were a pair of shoes, <laughs> what kind would you be? Combat boots. 
You guys really come through with these questions and or, I'm here for it. Yeah. Combat boots or Converse. They're the comfiest. I feel like okay. combat boots because you can dress them down or dress them up. You can wear them with fucking sweatpants. Yeah. You can wear them with leggings. They look great with a nice pair of leggings. Converse because you can walk a little bit more mm-hmm. like quickly and easier in them. They're not as heavy underneath your feet. Right. But I like them both. They're washable. I like them in black. Like you just throw them mm-hmm. in the washer, the Converse. Yes. I feel like, yeah, I would be probably like a pair of combat boots from maybe like Target. Yeah. Kind of cool. Sometimes kind of tough, like with my resting bitch face. Yeah. But I fall apart easily. Yes. <laughs> yep. So like fake leather. Yep. Target fake, boots. Fake leather. <laughs> would be for me. sure. <laughs> Yeah, that was a good one. Who was that? We don't know. Anonymous? Audrey. Oh, I just Audrey can't remember. I can't too. remember where she posted them. Audrey, thank you for the questions. We appreciate you. Now You're you know Audrey and Sabrina. So we've got some cons for you today. We haven't done anything like this before. No, ma'am. But these are some no good fraudulent con people who thought they were going to get away with some scams. But and, and as shocky as shocker is, they don't. No. Spoiler alert. Nope. They don't. Nope. Because they're shitheads. Right. And shitheads get caught. And if sometimes. they didn't get caught, we probably wouldn't have a story for you because <laughs> we wouldn't know. <laughs> right? So, yeah, that's true. You're you're so right. God, I'm just such a like deep thinker. You truly are. Do you just sit like <sighs> underneath the trees? I don't like being when outside. It's really hot outside. No, and you're, no kidding. Okay. I don't do that ever. Okay. A tree, I'd get bird shit on my hair. Yeah, true. I remember one time I was walking my doll stroller to my grandma's house, like, alone at probably age four. Yes. <laughs> and it had, like, um, a canopy on the stroller yeah. and a fucking bird shat right on it. And I <laughs> cried in front of the craft mall. <laughs> I didn't know what the hell to do. Oh. <laughs> yeah, there's my story. <laughs> Poor Katie. Okay, you guys. You guys have probably heard of this big boy that I'm going to be doing today. <laughs> This is the con artist known as Frank William Abagnale. So I don't know. Have you ever seen Catch yes, Me If You Can? I think I saw it in the theater. Oh, actually. okay. Okay. Yeah. And you, I mean, we all love a good Leo. I love Leo. You know, I don't know if you guys have seen Catch Me If You Can. I think it was really big when it came out. Like it won it a was. lot of awards. Yeah, I think it snagged a few Oscars. <laughs> snagged a few Oscars. Oh, honey. So I am just going to get right into talking about Big Boy Frank. So Frank was born on April 27th, 1948 in New York. He was the third child out of four. So fucking yikes. Yeah. I, I can't know. <laughs> Could you ever imagine being a Duggar? No. There's so, or not even being a Duggar, but being the mama Duggar. No. I mean, that I guess she's like, got an advantage because she's got like the older, oh, only the older girls can yes. take her, you know, take care That's, of the little ones. Yeah. Because not the boys, boys they're no. cutting wood. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. God. That um, was offensive. I mean, get used she's to not, it. She's not sorry. Um, okay. So Frank was named after his dad, Frank Sr. And his dad owned a stationery store and it did really, really well. He like did, papers and invitations? I like think the so. paper company? I think so. I love that. Yeah. I would love to do that. I love stuff like that. God, just and bookstores. Wouldn't book you love to just paper stores? People are turning this off, but wouldn't you love to just like organize paper yes. by color and color, like make it look all size, cute? Thickness. Oh. Mm-hmm. Orgasm. Yes. 100%. Um, and so he did very well for himself. They had a comfortable life. So they weren't richy rich, but they definitely weren't poor by any means. Mm-hmm. But then 
Frank was enrolled in a Catholic school in 1960 when his mom and dad divorced and totally uprooted his life. That's hard. That's really hard. hard. Yeah, I bet. I, I luckily did not have to go through it, but I have a lot of friends who were part of blended families and like had to deal with co-parenting and things like that. And it's hard. It's yeah. Difficult. My husband is a grown man in his 30s and he still has like divorce issues yeah. from his parents. Yeah, I'm sure. So his parents' divorce was really hard on him and his siblings. And Frank's dad, basically how it happened was Frank's dad came home from a Marlin fishing event to find his family had moved out. Oh, God. Yeah. His dad was away a lot because he did a lot of things like that, like fishing events and overseas business and stuff like that. So maybe mom just got sick of it? Yes. That was part Mm -hmm. of it, at least in the research that I did, was mom was like, well, I'm already doing it on my own anyway, so we're going to really be on our own. Uh. So Frank's mom was going to be this boss-ass bitch, and she started going to dental school. She decided, yeah, mm mm-hmm. She decided that she wanted to do as much as she could to support her children and herself and be on her own. Good for her. Yes. So Frank is 14 at this point. His dad tried to get his mom back for years. Oh. Yeah. The One of the videos that I watched about um, Frank was, it said that his dad tried to get his mom back until he died. Oh, God. Isn't that insane? Like, he just, like prioritized work and like trips and stuff over her and she just wasn't gonna fucking stand for it so frank ended up spending a lot of time with his dad his dad was a great businessman and a politician and he learned a lot from him about how to wheel and deal and how to speak to people how to talk confidently and how to appear more astute that's an art form one million percent like salesmen and oh Uh god it is do you know when i'm at my day job so marketing to physicians Mm -hmm. i have a different fucking persona oh yeah I am not me. Mm-hmm. I walk in there and I'm not myself. Yeah. Because I I wouldn't be good at it. Yeah. I had to do that fucking shit too. I could never talk to physicians. My, me. Yeah. I, number one, I don't fucking want to. <laughs> but Victoria. Yeah. Alice <laughs> Victoria. wants to. <laughs> now, Victoria oh, Alice just God. needs some money. That's why I make you do that shit half the time. Yeah. Because I just yeah. flip it on and there yeah. it is. And then I can flip it back off and I can be like you motherfuckers Mm -hmm. okay yeah yeah so i mean i guess we can kind of contribute a lot of frank's like business success Mm -hmm. in a way probably like charisma oh for sure that stuff um but instead of kind of like going on an upward trend frank decided to start skipping school and he started hanging out with a really rather shitty crowd ah frank yeah he was often mistaken for a teacher out with his students when he and his friends would skip school because he was like very tall very big and broad Mm -hmm. and basically the crimes that these kids would commit was like stealing candy sneaking into the movie theater but you know that was not enough for frankie boy frank wanted to do bigger things he wanted to commit bigger crimes go big or go the fuck home gotta do it frank so he and his crew ended up stealing a car so they upped the ante a little bit and they got thrown into juvie. So that's what well. Frank fucking gets. <laughs> um, his dad ended up getting him out, paid paid whatever. He got his record cleared. Mm-hmm. And he said that he needed to start acting like a man. And Frank did that. He appeared to clean up, started attending school regularly, stopped hanging out with his old crew, and even got a part-time job at a warehouse. Well, look at you, Frankie. I bet he even parted his hair, did a little comb over. I'm sure. Frank Sr. even bought him his first car, kind of like as a little incentive to be like, hey, you're doing good. Keep at it. Like, here's a pat on the back. Here's a car, you know. Right. 
so he was super, he was just super excited. He was like on the right track now. He's a teenager. He has a very high libido. He's got okay. a car. He has a car and a high libido. And that libido. Okay. Fuck. What does that equal? <laughs> Fucking in the car. <laughs> yeah. So he, <laughs> he basically, he, um, like to like drive around and like pick up girls and like take his girls riding around Show in his off. fancy car. Yeah. Oh, but man. he like soon realized that these girls kind of want like to go out to eat and stuff too. Yeah. They wanted an actual date. Yeah. They didn't want to just fucking drive around in your car, Frankie. We so, don't. Okay. I can't speak for all of us, but we don't think your car is as cool as you think your car is. I would much rather have a double cheese from McDonald's. Oh, yeah. Than a ride in your car. I, I want a Jamocha shake mm, from Arby's. Honey's. So since he had to spend his warehouse money on like buying them dinner, he thought up an idea. He was like, hey, dad, do you think I could get a credit card for gas? That way I can ride around with my lady friends. <laughs> and then that is when Frank com- starts committing his very first scam. Oh, shit. Uh-huh. So his daddy gets him the credit card. He's like, yeah, sure. Why not? It's not like you're, you know driving across the damn country all the time right, it won't right. be that expensive you've, you've shaped up we'll see how you you've do been doing good card. i can take it away if i need to you know so frank rolls up to a gas station he sees a sign that says new tires 160 dollars huh. so a little light bulb goes off in frankie's head and he's like okay gas station attendant what if i pay you with my gas card the 160 dollars for the tires but you don't even have to give me the tires. Just give me back a hundred bucks in cash. You can keep the tires Ugh. and sell them again for yeah. $160 and make 60 bucks. So he was scamming his dad. Yes. Okay. Technically, yeah. His yeah. dad is the one paying for this. Yeah. Yeah. So the attendee's like, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll make 60 bucks. You know, mm-hmm. that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. You, you take a hundred, I'll take 60 and I'll sell these tires to somebody else. Yeah. He did this at multiple gas stations. <laughs> Many times until the very first monthly statement came to the house. Mm-hmm. And that's a big fucking problem, right? Yeah. <laughs> no. Wrong-o. Not a problem. Because Frank just scurries to get it before his dad and oh, he throws it away. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> but little Frank's lame attempts to make his dad forget about the growing bill soon came to a screeching halt because his dad was contacted by the company and informed that he owed over 3000 Oh, no. And he hadn't paid his bill in three months. Yeah, that shit does not go away. No, honey. It doesn't, it doesn't go happen. It and actually grows and grows. Yeah. And he had, like, a perfect payment history, too. So you would Ugh. think, like, why wouldn't dad have, like, remembered, hey, I haven't paid that. Yeah. I just gave my teenage son right. a credit Unless, card. I don't know. I don't know. Very weird. Unless maybe he said, hey, I haven't used it yet. Yeah, that's you what know? I was thinking. Maybe he just know. assumed he didn't use it. So he apologized to his dad and he said there's a quote out there floating around but something along the lines of girls just do something to me dad like they make me crazy (sighs) and the dad was like okay whatever it's all good i'm sorry but dad yeah Yeah. it's not okay that's three (laughs) thousand dollars you have to pay i mean i just can't like i feel bad for the dad yeah it reminds me of that one time you took your mom's credit card and bought a horse yes (laughs) <laughs> on the fucking horse classifieds. If you guys haven't listened to that episode, go you listen should. to it's it. It's one of the early episodes. I don't even know what it is. Um, I think it's a mini-sode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was fun. I think I was 13 or 14 and I yeah. just bought a fucking horse on the goddamn internet and it was almost to Illinois by the time I told my mother. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Being delivered to your cul-de-sac. Yep. <laughs> 
to my cul-de-sac in town. Yeah. A whole ass horse. An entire horse. <laughs> An entire one. Now, for as much as his dad is like lenient and not pissed off, mm-hmm. Frank's mom is fucking pissed. Yeah. She's so goddamn pissed off, mainly at Frank's dad because she thought he's a bad influence on him. Mm-hmm. So she's like, we're going to limit time here. Frank, you are enrolling in a private Catholic school for troubled children, and we're going to get you on the goddamn straight and narrow. Oh, damn. Okay, you listen to your fucking mother. I wonder if a lot of that with his dad was um, his dad's guilt. Oh, probably. You know, probably. I'm sure. I would think. I would be. I would feel guilty yeah. for sure. So Frank was like, all right, mom, whatever. But then he decides to leave home at the age of 16 hmm. without telling a fucking soul. Hmm, I tells that. no one. He takes a train into the city with only a few fucking belongings on his back. One of them, most importantly, being a checkbook linked to an account that only had $200 in it. Oh, shit. So he hops off the train at LAX. No, I'm just <laughs> so he hopped off the train and found a teenage boy and kind of like swindled his way into his life. Oh. Yeah. He like, you know, like buddied him. up with him. Yeah. Like immediately. He claimed he concocted this big story about how he was an orphan and he convinced the kid to let him go home with him. He laid on that guilt. Oh, Yeah. He knew he knew it well. Yeah. He then went home with them. He gave the same exact story to the teenage boy's parents. And they said he had a home there for however long he wanted. Aww. So Frank started trying to get jobs. He was very fucking money hungry. Mm-hmm. Money meant a lot to him. So they were all lowballing him. They would give him job offers, but it would be for like one dollar, a dollar fifty very very low amounts for very labor intensive jobs Mm -hmm. he believed it was because he was so young yeah so he ended up altering the id his (laughs) his um birthday back by 10 years wow so with his new altered driver's license frank found a job that paid a whopping two dollars and 75 cents an hour as a truck driver's assistant So in the meantime, like needing money to live and like his greed, you know, like bubbling inside of him, Mm -hmm. he would cash checks from that account, you know, that checkbook that he brought. And he overdrew his account almost immediately after arriving into the city. But he didn't give a shit. Yeah. He just continued writing checks that he knew were bad because why the fuck not? Yeah. You know, it's working. He ended up quitting that $2.75 an hour job because he felt like he expended too much effort and made too little of a return. Oh, dang. Mm -hmm. Plus, when you can write bad checks, who needs a job? Right. You know what I mean? Minimum effort always. Yes. (laughs) That is our (laughs) motto. How did we not turn into Frank Abagnale? Honestly, (laughs) I kind of wish we had could you imagine so frank was mindlessly walking around the city one day just he hawing it up so he's just walking around and he sees a plane and i couldn't find out like does he see a plane in the sky (laughs) is it in a newspaper is it like a model plane i couldn't figure it out but he saw a plane and he was like this is one of the most beautiful things i've ever seen and then he saw like the types of people that rode in this plane they were very lavish and he just wanted to be like them yeah only fancy people get on planes (laughs) yes he then saw the pan am building and frank ended up calling them okay and he asked to speak to the purchasing department 
He told the representative on the phone that he was a Pan Am pilot based in Los Angeles. He was due on a flight at 8 p.m. that night, but he just realized his uniform had been stolen. Oh, dear. Yeah. So the representative was very, very sweet to him on the phone. She directed him to the uniform company in the city that all of the pilots and flight attendants used so he could quickly get a replacement. Oh, convenient. How fucking convenient. That's Nothing so- ever falls into my lap like that. Right? <laughs> so Frank ended up getting one not long after. He even got a fake ID card to make himself look more legit like as a Pan Am pilot. He was so confident that he just waltzed right into LaGuardia and soon found out that Pan Am did not fly out of there. <laughs> oh, no. I don't remember the movie or anything yeah, at all. He, he was, I guess he was approached by a TWA pilot. And the pilot was like, why are you here? Because like he was wearing the full yeah. uniform. Oh, I love it. And he very he was very quick on this. He said, quote, oh, I just dead had it in from Frisco on the first flight I could catch. I'll catch a chopper to Kennedy. What the fuck? How does this? How does he like? I don't no, I could never. Yeah. You know, Shit. no, so, I need like a good 30 seconds to answer. The I most need basic a, a good minute or so to Google it. <laughs> yeah. Right. So the pilot continued. Maybe he thought something was a little off or something. And he asked what kind of equipment he was on. Oh, shit. And he gave the wrong fucking answer. He oh. knew nothing about it. And he quickly just scurried away. Damn. Frank, you <laughs> he fucked it up. Exited out of that place. <laughs> so he knew at this point that he would have to do a fair amount of research before he could pass as a pilot. Yeah, it was a learning experience for him. Absolutely. So that is what he did. He spent a lot of time over the next few weeks just brushing up on his pilot knowledge. And he continued writing his bad checks. <sighs> He traveled to Miami via a plane after swindling an airline into thinking he was a pilot and getting a free ride on a plane because they fly for free. Yeah, yeah. He said that he started doing this frequently. So he would just jump from city to city, flying away with his pilot uniform, catching flights all the time. Yeah. Luckily, he never actually so tried to fly. So I was going to gonna say, yeah. so he was just sitting there like, yeah, I belong. Yeah. Uh-huh. You can't tell me I don't. Look at mm-hmm. my uniform. Look at my card. Look at my ID I card got on a chopper. logo. <laughs> and I got a checkbook. Oh, so when he would get to a city, you know, jump off the airplane, get into whatever city he's at, he would just stay at a hotel under the Pan Am name. Yeah. Because he's a pilot. That's what you do. Yeah, exactly. So put it on Pan Am's tab. Yep. I'm a Pan Am pilot. (laughs) I am Pan Am. Yeah, honey. So he would fly around and he would stay for free and he would cash a bad check for a hundred bucks before he left again. What a life. It's not a victimless crime. No. But still, what a life. Right, right. So, honestly, <laughs> he did this from the age of 16 until 18. He went on more than 250 flights for free. Damn. Over a million miles for free. Damn, boy. And visited over 20 countries. I think it was 26. Wow. Okay, now let's talk about Frank the Doctor. All right. So it's 1966, and he's fucking tired of being a pilot. Okay. He's just all traveled out. Yeah, he's done with it. Yeah. He's over it. It's exhausting. He was, he, I guess he was, like, accused of not being a pilot by somebody, <laughs> and then he was like, okay, fuck, I got to well, be a doctor fuck you now. then. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's a doctor now. Yeah. He's living in Atlanta, Georgia. He started lying about being a pediatrician who was on a 12-month sabbatical to do research. Things were going great until his new neighbor introduced himself as a doctor, like a real doctor. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. So Frank got all hot in the crotch, not in a good way, worrying about his neighbor doctor seeing through his bullshit. (laughs) So he decided to do some research on being a doctor. (laughs) And then he decided to talk to his neighbor again. So he he was more knowledgeable with doctor stuff. He did all this shit without Google. 
right? Damn. He probably had to go to a fucking library. So he did all of his research and he got a bit more confidence in his new profession. And then he approached the doctor neighbor again and they talked about being doctors and it was agreed on that Frank should head to the hospital that his neighbor works at for a tour. Oh, just come on by. Wait, you mean a tour? (laughs) It's that one meme, like that really skeleton looking guy that's just smiling. (laughs) So Frank did so. He visited the hospital, and then he visited it quite often after that. So he was just really getting into the profession. He was soaking it in. He was probably wearing a lab coat. Yeah. You know? I'm sure. And the administrator of the hospital even approached Frank and asked for a big, big, big favor. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. The administrator asked Frank to cover for a physician (laughs) who was going to be off for a 10-day something. I think it was a funeral or something. Yeah. He would need to work the night shift. Oh, okay. Good. I wonder how hard he shat his pants. <laughs> <laughs> he had some big skid marks. So Frank was like, oh, uh, no, no, no. I don't have a, a license to practice in Georgia because I'm based out of California. So he thought he was real fucking quick on that. Mm. But the, the administrator was like, eh, we're just fucking with people's lives here. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, and if you can pass a, a five doctor interview panel, everything will be fine. Oh, so, of course, the fucking interview went great because he's a smooth talking businessman mm-hmm. like his dad. And he passed. Now, Frank was not only there for 10 days. He ended up being there for 11 months. What? Mm-hmm, before moving on. The doctor that he had stepped in for would not be returning. And he was asked to stay on until they could find someone. Was he doing shit to people? Yes. 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 <laughs> 11 fucking months and a non-doctor was doctoring. How could you, like, could you even imagine? Did you ever hear the story about the teenage boy? No. That passed as a doctor? No. And opened his own fucking practice? Could you imagine? We'll do that someday. Yeah. That's a good one, too. Yes. I can't even know. <laughs> okay. So, new job alert. He was done being a pilot. He was done being a doctor because, ugh, who the fuck wants to be a doctor? Like, you're uh, too much pressure. <laughs> you know what lot. I mean? It's, I mean, it's a lot. A, a lot. You're, <sighs> like, literally saving people and helping people and, like, dealing with people. So, That's he so ended much. up going to Louisiana. And he was introduced to a state's attorney at a party. Hmm. He was encouraged to take the bar exam by the state's attorney. God. Yeah. And everyone just sees so much in Frank. He has a lot of potential. He he ended up taking it three times and then he passed with no like school, no studying for it. That's so fucking much. Right. He then took a job in the office with that state's attorney that he met at the party. He started dating a lady named Gloria and she was a devout Methodist. And his law career was short-lived because he was sitting on a committee with someone who had graduated from Harvard Law, and he was being, and this was like at a church thing, okay, because of Gloria. And this Harvard Law person was asking like a whole host of questions, and he couldn't just fucking hang. Yeah. So what does he do? (laughs) He fucking leaves. He goes to Utah. He claims that he worked as a teacher at Brigham Young University, but Brigham Young University said that he never worked there. Yeah. So I don't know about that. Hmm. So... Eventually, Frank ends up getting arrested. He was one of the most wanted swindlers. There's a lot of a lot of stuff to unpack in there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more that we don't know. There's a lot more that he never talked about. Yeah. There's a lot of things that he talked about that have no like evidence to back it up. Okay. So we don't really know. Yeah. But we do know that he got arrested for being a fucking swindler. His luck finally caught up as the law caught up to him. Dang, he had a good run, though. He really fucking did. He lived a lot of lives. (laughs) Yeah, he did. He was sentenced to 12 months in prison, a sentence that ended up being reduced to only six months because he probably swindled his way there, Probably, but 12 months 
is not a Nothing. lot for, for that. God. Wow. While he was in custody, he lost 100 pounds. Dang. It's like a regular Ted Bundy. He was overseas when he was first caught because he he bounced from what? From uh, California? No, New York to Georgia to Louisiana to Utah. And then he mm-hmm. was over in fucking like Sweden. Yeah. He, he was just all over the fucking place. Um, so he then went to a prison in the U.S., and that is when he escaped two times <laughs> before being imprisoned again. But then a deal is struck. Four years after he started serving time in prison for this new, like, all these new charges and escaping and all of that, mm-hmm. he was offered a deal to be an on-call consultant to assist authority in fraud cases. What a cool fucking job. Yeah. And he's after probably... you're a goddamn convict. Yeah. And there could not be, like, a more perfect role for him. Absolutely the fuck not. He took the deal because why the fuck not? Yeah. I would. Yeah. They were going to totally forget about his prison sentence. He got back on the straight and narrow that we know of. Mm-hmm. That we know of. True. He married a woman named Kelly and had three children. Aww. He's 72 years old now. Dang. And he lives in Charleston, South Carolina. That's crazy. Uh-huh. I wonder if he still does like little, little swindles wonder, here and there. I, I, would, you know what I, I feel mean? like a swindler is always a swindler. Like a little sleight of he hand. He might have just like dabbled it down. Yeah. Dab, dabbled, dabbled, dabbled I wonder down. if he does like online swindles now. Because we're in the does. golden age of technology and to close out about frankie boy this is a quote he became one of the most notorious imposters claiming to have assumed no fewer than eight identities including an airline pilot a physician a u.s bureau a prison agent and a lawyer abagnale escaped from police custody twice once from a taxing airliner and once from a u.s federal penitentiary dang before turning 22 years old he served fewer than five years in prison before starting to work for the federal government. Abagnale is currently a consultant and lecturer for the FBI Academy and field offices. He also runs Abagnale and Associates, a financial fraud consultancy company. Abagnale's story inspired the Academy Award nominated. Okay, so Academy Award nominated. Okay. Feature film, Catch Me If You Can. I forgot about that. Starring our boy Leo. And Tom Hanks as the FBI agent pursuing him, Uh, as well as the Broadway musical of the name, both which are based on the book, Catch Me If You Can, end quote. And that is the story of con man swindling son of a bitch, Frank Abagnale. Damn. I'm glad that he's using his um, skills for good. For sure. I didn't remember that. I don't remember that at all. For good. Good. And nobody was murdered. Mm -mm. Not today. Not by Frank Abagnale, unless he swindled it, and we don't know. It's possible. Mm -hmm. So this story, it it, it deals with three people. So I'm not going to like, I don't know what to call it. But um, it begins with a random act of kindness. So it's October of 2017, late at night. 27-year-old Kate McClure is driving along I-95 in Port Richmond on her way into Philadelphia. When shit... Her car runs out of gas. Oh, Kate. She calls her boyfriend, 38-year-old Mark D'Amico, but Mark says he he can't get there for like a half hour. Oh, you he's know? busy. He's far away. Well, he's I think he's at their house. I don't know. <laughs> so with no other option, she gets out and she starts walking toward the closest gas station. Oh, okay. You know, what Damn. else do you do? Ugh, I hate that for Yeah. Her. Before she can get very far, she sees a dark figure come out from under the nearby overpass. The stuff that nightmares are made of. Uh-huh. 
Once this person gets a little closer, Kate sees that it's a man who's clearly homeless. He's dirty, skinny, he's got this like long scraggly beard. Um, He's walking right in her direction. So Kate's like, shit, you know, like being a woman out here alone in the dark, that's scary, right? But this man seemed to want to help her. He told her he was watching, he saw her car sputter and stop, and he told her, get back in the car and lock the doors, I'll be back. So that's exactly what she did. I'm scared. (laughs) I'm nervous about it. A little bit later, the guy comes back carrying a gas can, and he sticks it in the fuel tank of Kate's car and just fuels it right up for her. This was the last thing she expected, you know? Yeah, right. By the way you're looking at me, it was the last thing you expected, too. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. She didn't think she was going to have her night saved by this homeless man. Yeah. And then she learns that this man, Johnny Bobbitt Jr., had spent his very last $20 bill on gas for her. Aw, how sweet. Yeah, she's obviously beside herself when she learns this. She wants to replace his money, but she doesn't have cash on her. So she promises that she's going to make it right, and she's going to repay him as soon as she can. You know, I would feel fucking terrible. Oh, absolutely. This homeless man spent his last money on me. 2017. So once Kate's home safe and sound, she tells Mark, her boyfriend, all about her encounter with Johnny. Mark's like... I can't believe that, you know, like that's the freaking nicest thing ever. A few days later, Kate and Mark go out and they try to find Johnny to repay him and thank him again. And they just, they can't stop thinking about him, how nice that was. And they find him actually right there in that same spot where Kate was that night. Uh-huh. Underneath the overpass, living, you know, laying on cardboard, there's just, there's needles, every, you know, it's just, uh, it's it's a mess and they feel terrible. Yeah. He's got a sign, he's collecting money, he's, he's panhandling. Yeah. So Kate and Mark go talk to him, they give him $100 in cash, they give him some food, some warm clothing, they buy him a few things he needs, and they even load up a few gift cards for him. And this became sort of a routine, visiting Johnny. They learn that he's from North Carolina. They learn that he's only 34. Wow. They learn that he's a Marine veteran. He was a firefighter and a paramedic when he got out, but he became addicted to heroin, and in turn, he lost everything. Mm-hmm. Johnny told them that for a bit, he was able to get clean, and he got a job offer in Philadelphia, and so that's why he was up there. He went up there for this job, but when he got there, it didn't work out, so he was back on the street. Kate said in an interview, quote, when you started to really see the person inside of Johnny, you were just blown away. He was such a normal, nice, caring guy. So Johnny's situation is really hitting them hard. Like, they feel like they want to do the absolute most for him. Sure. So they get the idea to set up a GoFundMe page for Johnny. On November 10th, 2017, the GoFundMe went live with the title, Paying It Forward. Now, the goal... You know how you can set like your goal amount on, sure. on GoFundMe? Sure. Their goal is to get $10,000 for him. Yeah. They write on there, you know how you can write the bio or like yes. read more, whatever. Yeah. They write about what Johnny had done for Kate. They give some of his backstory, how he's, you know, a homeless veteran. And they talk about how they want to get him back on his feet, all of that. Kate writes about how she wants to use any money raised to help Johnny with first and last month's rent for an apartment. She wants to get him a used car and like four to six months of living expenses. Sure. She says that these things will help him find and keep a job. And, you know, it's it's winter now. It's Philadelphia. It's yeah. freezing. She doesn't yeah. want him to be out in the cold. And Johnny just needs like this one break. Yeah. To turn Something his, good yes, to happen to him. Yeah, to turn his life around. So the donations started coming in. And within a few days, they reached just under $1,000. The story breaks locally. 
and the word gets out even more. They get a further reach. Different papers are like putting out articles about Johnny and the campaign and donations just keep pouring in. Now, Johnny doesn't even know that Kate and Mark are doing this for him. They decide to go find him and surprise him with the news. He's flabbergasted like there's a recording you can hear of like when they go tell him what's going on Uh and he's just like beside himself because it was almost like two thousand dollars at that point that's a lot for For him him. yeah Yeah. i mean that's like he doesn't he gave someone his last 20 yeah like Mm -hmm. imagine having zero and going to two thousand right yep So they tell him they're going to use it to set him up and get him on his feet, but they want to keep it going for a while and see if they can get him more money, see if they can reach their goal. So now it's Thanksgiving Day 2017, and it's only been a couple weeks since they launched Johnny's fundraiser, but now the donations have reached $243,597. Jesus. Yeah. And their goal was what? $10,000. My God. Yeah. God. So this just like it went viral. Yeah. And they just got all these donors. I think like I think it was like 14,000 donors Jeez. altogether from all over the world. Kate and Mark get Johnny a hotel room so he doesn't have to spend Thanksgiving out in the cold. Sure. They get him contact lenses. Um, they get him a laptop. And only a few days after that, the fundraiser reaches $370,000. My Lord. Johnny says it's like winning the lottery because that is like winning the lottery. Yeah. He says, quote, I want to change my life. I want to give a lot of it away, end quote. Oh. He wants a stable place to live and he doesn't want a brand new car. He said he just wants a used truck. Yeah. That's all he wants. So on the 28th of November, Kate posts an update to Johnny's GoFundMe page. She says that Johnny has met with a lawyer and a financial planner, and they've worked out a plan for the best way to use all of his money. So the first thing is a new house that Johnny will own outright. Mm Mm-hmm. Johnny's going to buy his dream truck, a 1999 Ford Ranger. There will be two trusts set up in Johnny's name. One will be used for like a small annual salary, and one will be set aside and managed by a financial planner for Johnny's retirement. So that sounds like a good plan, right? Yeah, sure. They're also setting up a regular checking account for his like day-to-day expenses for food, whatever he needs. Johnny's also going to be donating some of his money to several organizations that were there for him and and helped him while he was homeless. Does Johnny exist? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So Johnny updates the GoFundMe page himself at the beginning of December with this message. Quote, hey guys, this is Johnny. Sorry for the lack of updates, but I've been pretty busy the last few days, as you can imagine. Just wanted to let you all know that thanks to all of you and with the help of Kate and Mark, I was able to purchase my new home yesterday. The feeling is indescribable, and it's all thanks to the support and generosity that each and every one of you has shown. I'll continue to thank you every single day for the rest of my life. End quote. So the three of them, Kate, Mark, and Johnny, they decide to close the GoFundMe campaign and stop taking donations for Johnny on December 11th, 2017. Over $400,000 was raised overall. That's insane. Yeah. After the website's fees, the takeaway was right at about $360,000. God. So Johnny also writes that he's now 30 days clean from heroin. He feels like his life is starting to get back on track. And this new house that Johnny bought isn't a house house. It's an RV. Oh, cool. Okay, fine. Yeah. It cost $18,350. He can go places. Yeah. But, it I doesn't mean, have to be tied to one place. Yeah, yeah. But, like, you have to pay for somewhere to park it usually, right. right? So he parks it on Kate and Mark's property in Florence Township, New Jersey. 
Okay. They allow this, you know, they're, they're fine with it. He wants to take his RV to Alaska eventually. And okay, like if that makes sense, if he doesn't want to be tied down with a house and that's his end game, right. then an RV makes perfect sense. So if you don't already know this story, you're probably wondering when it's going to get weird, right? <laughs> like this right. is a little too heartwarming and perfect exactly. for our podcast. Yeah. So here's the thing. Less than a year after his GoFundMe campaign started and all of this money was raised to help Johnny better his life and get off the streets. I feel like my heart rate is like picking up and I'm very nervous. <laughs> Johnny's what? back on the fucking streets, back on heroin with nothing to his no, name. Oh, Johnny. The pickup truck was not in Johnny's name. The RV was not in Johnny's name. Nothing was. So Johnny's fucking pissed. Yeah. All that money was raised for him. Right. He got very little, if anything. If anything, they would give him like $500 here and there. What? Yeah. He admits he used some of it for drugs, but the money was raised for him, right? He says it was kind of like a joke at first. Kate and Mark were kind of like his parents in a sense, and he didn't want to screw up this opportunity. Mark was worried that Johnny would just blow through all of his money because of his addiction, and Johnny understood that. Like, I watched this interview with him, and he he, he understood that point. Yeah. He, like, he didn't want that either. Right. But he says at the same time, he didn't feel like Mark should have been the person to make that call. Kate and Mark had withheld the majority of the money raised... Johnny was only given about $75,000 in goods and services. So that's including the truck. That's including the RV. That's including, you know, he'll float him some cash here and there. In that interview, Johnny says he didn't want to come off as ungrateful by asking for his money. Or he didn't want to come off as ungrateful by getting a lawyer and pursuing the issue even more. I get that. But when this story comes out, so Johnny contacts the media with this story. Yeah. And when that story comes out, Kate and Mark admit to the public that, yeah, they're withholding money because Johnny can't stay clean. And they don't see anything wrong with that, with withholding the money. They see nothing wrong with that. They think it's the right thing to do. They don't want to see the money that came from, like, the goodness of people's hearts wasted on drugs. I'm getting, I'm like a fucking ping pong ball. Yeah. It's like, am I, am I rooting for Johnny? Am I rooting for Kate and Mark and Johnny? Am I rooting, who, what? Mm Mm-hmm. So Kate and Mark hold steadfast to this this idea that they're doing the right thing by withholding the money, and they're holding on tight. Kate and Mark state publicly on national television that they're in the right here. That, yeah, okay, Mark has a gambling problem, and he's dipped into the fundraiser money, but he paid it back. What? Mm-hmm. Oh. And everyone is only seeing Johnny's side and not their side, and they're getting death threats, but they know they're good people who did a good thing, and they swear that other than the $500 for gambling that Mark paid back, they have not and will not touch a dollar of Johnny's money, and they have no problem opening up the books, letting a forensic accountant comb through everything, and they claim that $150,000 of the money was left, and it was going into a trust. So there's a law firm representing Johnny pro bono. The one lawyer, I think he deals a lot with like um, with veterans. Sure. Um, so they're representing him free of cost. They file a civil complaint against Kate and Mark in August of 2018. Kate and Mark's lawyer pretty much repeats what they had already said. Like they'd spent over $200,000 on Johnny in goods and services. They'll get the forensic accountant. He says not to judge them until all of this is done and made public. So the judge orders that every cent remaining of Johnny's money to be transferred into an escrow account in Johnny's name within 24 hours. Wow. And she gave them 10 days to get a forensic accountant to go over the financial records and transactions. So this judge was not fucking around. Fuck no. Good. 
That was a lot of fucking people's money. Yeah. But. Okay. But. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh God after oh God. 24 hours, zero of the money had been returned. You want to know why? They didn't have it. Because it was fucking gone. Fuck. All of it. Bastards. According to court records, on Monday, August 27th, 2017, Mark allegedly sent a text to Johnny that read in part, quote, Yo, I say I get rid of my team of lawyers, you get rid of yours, Kate and I will write you a check. Seriously. They're going to put it in a trust, man. You're going to end up with nothing. Go fuck quote. yourself, Mark. He told him that knowing that the money was gone. Yeah. Because yeah. he didn't want to get in trouble. Right. He was going to pull a Frank mm-hmm. and write him a bad check. Yeah, he was going to try, but this dude is not smart. So here's just a little taste of what happened after the GoFundMe was closed in December of 2017. God, I don't even want to taste it. I'm so mad. December 29th, 2017 to January 8th, 2018, Kate and Mark took a trip to Vegas. They had rooftop dinners. They took a helicopter ride through the Grand Canyon. They gambled, obviously. They went on shopping sprees. January 26th through January 30th, 2018, Kate and a relative flew to LA to go to the Ellen Show and Disneyland. Plans were made for Johnny to go to rehab out of state right around this time, but he decided not to go at the very last minute. Two days later, February 21st, 2018, a BMW was purchased with Johnny's fundraiser money. It was $24,432.19. Fuck you both. Kate went to Disney World in July of 2018. Kate and Mark helped their families pay bills and debts. They went on trip after trip. They went on shopping sprees. They purchased Bitcoin and like other cryptocurrency. They went out gambling. Over $85,000 was spent on gambling alone. Kate started carrying a Louis Vuitton purse. She went to New York City. She had front row tickets to a Broadway show. And you could see all of this play out on their social media accounts. Yeah, sure. You know, you're going to post pictures. Yeah. Now, Kate made, at the time, just over (laughs) $40,000 a year as a secretary. And Mark was a carpenter, which is a good job. And that would afford you most of those things. But... He rarely worked. Yeah. He was self-employed. He just, and, he just wouldn't take jobs. And a $40,000 a year plus whatever his was. Yeah. You, you're not going to be able to do all those things not within in that, that short, little right. time frame. No. But like if you're just looking at pictures oh and like, oh, she God. got a new purse, you know, they yeah. probably saved for that. And it doesn't seem impossible. Wow. But in just a few months. Yeah. Right. Fuck. Plus, we know that Mark was a huge gambler. Yeah. So I don't imagine they were using all of their own money for this shit. There's no way. No. There's no way. No. So at this point, law enforcement is getting suspicious and they're getting involved. In the early morning of September 6th, 2018, the Burlington County Prosecutor's Office raids Kate and Mark's property. Whoa. They seize bags and bags of evidence. They take the BMW. There aren't formal charges yet, but the civil complaint is put on hold while this criminal investigation begins. Good. Now, it's also worth noting that at this time, GoFundMe... As a company, they've given Johnny $20,000 so he can find a place to live while it gets sorted out. Wow. And they also say that if it's proven that Kate and Mark have misspent the the funds raised, they will repay all of the money from the campaign. Wow. Mm-hmm. Good. That's yeah. really cool. I didn't know how I felt about GoFundMe. I mean, Neither it's a good I. thing and yeah. it's an awesome tool, but I didn't, I didn't know I about didn't the people know, behind yeah. it. I didn't know if they were shitty or not. Wow. I like that. Mm-hmm. So Kate and Mark are still saying that they've done nothing wrong. They won't comment any further, and neither will their attorneys. They make it known that they plan on pleading the fifth. 
Oh, of course yeah. they fucking do. So things are really, really starting to fall the fuck apart, obviously. Kate decides she's not going to go down with Mark. She's going to save herself, if at all possible. Ah. She starts collecting evidence that she thinks will help build a case against Mark. So basically, she wants to prove that Mark was the ringleader and that she was duped by him, too. Sure. She starts recording her interactions with him. Mm. So I'm going to play you a conversation between Kate and Mark that she recorded without his knowledge. And I'm going to throw in a trigger warning for domestic abuse because it might be triggering. It's kind of, it's very um, harsh. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely him talking down to her. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And a lot of yelling. Everything. You started the whole fucking thing. You did everything. I had no part in any of this. And I'm the one fucking taking the fall. My name is on that fucking shit. Because of you. Because of me listening to you. Okay? Yeah, no shit. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I might be going to jail because of something that you said. Stop what? You don't go to jail for lying on TV, you dumb bitch. You heard what he said. If this turns into a criminal thing... But who made me lie on TV? Who cares? What do you mean, who cares? I care. Who fucking learned all this shit on GoFundMe? I am blaming you.
I didn't say you were a bad person. It's so hard because you know that you don't want to empathize with someone who fucked that many people over. Mm -hmm. But if I could just quickly empathize for a different position that she was in. Yeah. Which was clearly domestic abuse. Yeah. And she was trying to prove that along with, you know, like his character. That's who he is. I just fucking hate that for Mm -hmm. her. And yeah, they both fucked up. They they shouldn't have done that. But that other part, this part of it, like. Yeah just awful so along with that recording investigators get their hands on kate and mark's cell phone records the evidence against them is damning to say the very least here are just a few examples the worst of the worst out of thousands of text messages wow on october 16th 2017 about 409 p.m a text conversation between kate and mark about johnny took place Kate said, quote, I don't know why, but that homeless guy by Sugar House keeps popping in my damn head today. Mark said, quote, dude, I just thought about him. Their conversation went on about how they both wanted to help Johnny by giving him food, clothes, a Nintendo Switch, maybe a job, and even giving him a house. In that same text conversation, Kate confirmed that the couple had given Johnny $10 on a prior occasion, so they already knew about Johnny before the night Kate ran out of gas. Wow. They knew about him. On December 9th, 2017, Kate recorded two hour-long conversations with herself, Mark, and a literary agent about how her, Mark, and Johnny wanted a book and movie deal to make, to make even more money. On March 9th, 2018, only four months since the GoFundMe campaign, Kate texted Mark and said, quote, I can't believe we have less than 10K left. I'm so upset. 
end quote. He told her not to worry. They'll end up making all of this money back from the book deal and blah, blah, blah. March 11th, 2018, Kate texted her friend saying she was mad because Johnny refused to go to rehab. Remember that? Yeah. They wanted him out of the picture. Shocker. Kate's friend said, quote, you really need to get rid of him and get the public off your back by donating, end quote. Kate replied, quote, I'll be keeping the rest of the money. Fuck you very much, end quote. Her friend said, quote, he could out you. They just go on and on, really. Like, you think they would use phone calls and not text, but they're not very bright people. So Kate and Mark are finally charged with second-degree theft by deception and conspiracy to commit theft by deception. Kate's defense is that she was fooled by Mark. Um, Mark's lawyer denies everything. But Johnny is charged, too, with the same exact charges. What? Yeah. Here's another text conversation. Oh my God. This one is between Kate and her friend from November 2017. Kate said, quote, Okay, so wait, the gas part is completely made up. But the guy isn't. I had to make something up to make these people feel bad. So oh shush about the God. made up part. Yep. Her friend said, quote, This gas story is going to backfire. End quote. Kate said, Nah, it's all good. How would it? Turns out. Kate and Mark really met Johnny at a casino a whole ass month before the gas thing supposedly took place. Holy fuck. Kate did not run out of gas that night. Johnny did not save the day. Kate and Mark cooked up this little scheme in their cauldron of deceit and threw a lasso around Johnny and roped him right in. Oh my god. He was in on the entire thing. It was no Johnny. Uh huh. Johnny. It was true that Kate and Mark had spent all of the money, and Johnny didn't get his share, even though it's massively illegal to do that. Yeah. Fuck. (laughs) And that's why Johnny filed that civil suit. He just didn't think that filing that suit would lead to all of this. He really is a homeless veteran. He received a less than honorable discharge after spending 14 months in the Marines. He is struggling with addiction. Most of the things about him are true, just not that story. From what I gathered, Kate and Mark had met and spoken to Johnny before, and they'd given him some money. They came up with a plan for the GoFundMe without telling Johnny at first. But then, when the campaign reached like just over $1,000, remember I told you they went and showed him and he mm-hmm. freaked out, they went on to tell him about what they were planning, and that's when they like concocted the story with him oh my god so all three have federal charges against them and they're being charged by burlington county johnny pleads guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit money laundering in federal court and he also pleads guilty to second degree conspiracy to commit theft by deception in state court johnny is sentenced to a five-year probationary term which includes mandatory long-term inpatient rehab so he's got to stay somewhere for rehab as part of his probation okay um it's under a drug court program and he faces a five-year prison sentence if he fails to meet those requirements okay Kate pleads guilty to both her state and federal charges, and it gets kind of confusing here because they're all being charged by different entities left and right. So it's state and and federal. Um, Kate hasn't been sentenced to anything yet, besides the fact that her and Johnny have to pay, pay money back. They're waiting until after Mark's trials are over to sentence Johnny and Kate for the federal crimes they've pleaded guilty to. So this is ongoing, probably because of COVID, because Mark, who was named the mastermind behind the whole thing, was slapped with over a dozen federal charges in January of this year, 2020. So I think there's a holdup because they're all just waiting like to get the show on the road. They probably aren't. I don't know. I don't know. Mark did plead guilty to the state charges as part of a plea deal 
deal, but his attorney says they plan on fighting all of those federal charges. I think there's 16 federal charges, but they plan on fighting them, and Mark maintains his innocence. He says he's not the mastermind behind it all. He faces a possible sentence of 20 years in prison and a $250,000 fine for the wire fraud and 10 years and another $250,000 for the money laundering. He's a narcissist. Yeah. Yep. It wasn't me. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. You benefited from it. Yeah. Yeah, you fucking did. Piece of shit. The thing is, like, they would have gotten away with it, probably. Yeah. If they weren't all fighting. Right. And if Johnny hadn't filed that civil suit. If they would have just fucking split it three ways. Right. Yeah. They would have gotten away with it. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That is fucking crazy. Yeah. The whole time I was thinking Mark and Kate like really fucked it up somehow. Mm-hmm. But then like they would say you would say little things about Johnny. Yeah. So I felt like a fucking ping pong ball. But then I got really fucking duped. Yeah. I got really fucking duped. All those fucking I didn't people realize. that donated that money. But I'm so God. glad that GoFundMe is being so awesome about it. Yeah. Because I'm was, sure they had awesome. like some sort of guarantee. I think they said. Some, oh, I'm I, sure. They call it something. Yeah. But, yeah. Good one. No, thanks. Are you reading or watching or listening to anything? Um, I am. I'm reading According to Plan, which is the book that I wrote. <laughs> oh, I'm like, why because does that I'm... sound familiar? <laughs> I get all those well, plan ones mixed yeah, up. Yeah, and Dee Lagasse has an According to Plan, too. I think that came out in January. Oh. Um, I'm going through and, like, checking for, like, tiny errors and stuff because I just got mm-hmm. it back from the proofreader. So so we'll see. I have to send it to the formatter tomorrow. But yeah, so that's what I'm currently reading. As soon as I get this off to formatting and I don't have to think about it anymore, I'll be grateful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I really want to dig into J.R. Rogue's series. Mm-hmm. I want to dig into that. I really need to finish Make Me Hate You by Candy Steiner. <laughs> I would like to read, um, what was it? It's called like The Guest List, I think, by Lucy Foley, maybe. Yeah, I've seen that one. It kind of gives me Sinner's Retreat vibes. Mm -hmm. So I would really like to read that at some point, too. What am I watching? Nothing. I watch YouTube videos sometimes, like when I'm getting ready and like straightening my hair and stuff. Do YouTube a lot. Yeah. I don't unless I absolutely have to. That's like my mindless stuff that I'll listen to, like when I'm putting my makeup on or straightening my hair or sometimes when I'm driving, I'll Mm -hmm. listen to like a YouTube video. So that's what I've been listening slash watching. And also for as far as podcasts go. So one of the podcasts that I found recently is called Terrible Thanks for Asking. And it's just like, it's this woman named Nora, ironically enough, Mm -hmm. she like, she had a, she was married, she had a baby with this man, he had brain cancer, I think, he died shortly after that, they had lost a child, then she met another man, and it's just like, she had like a really shitty like, time. Mm Mm-hmm. And she is just this fucking like inspirational woman and she's fucking funny and she's got a really good voice for podcasting. So I've been listening to her lately. I recommend if you. What's that one called again? Terrible Thanks for Asking with Nora McCarran. She says her name. I can't say her name. It's Nora and it starts with an M. That's all right. But if you guys do decide to give that one a listen, start from the very beginning because she talks about her story first. Mm -hmm. Okay. And there was another one that I recently started listening to. Oh, and it's called Where Should We Begin with Esther Perel? 
Hmm. And it's like a deep dive into these couples therapy sessions. Oh, really? (laughs) And it's really kind of neat. And obviously, it's like totally HIPAA compliant. They've signed off. They know that they're being recorded. Um, But it's kind of nice in a way to see that other people have fucking problems. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like we live in this fucking digital age where everyone puts bullshit Mm -hmm. on Instagram and Facebook and shit about how they're always fucking happy and they have a fucking perfect life and everything is going great all the fucking time. Mm -hmm. But so... It's uh, sometimes it's kind of there's a spider outside that window. Oh, it's fine. you fucking see it. No, I want to get up it's and look big. at it. Oh, that is. Oh, it's pretty, mm-hmm, but it's very big. Oh, I feel like it's so easy to sometimes get lost and think like, oh, I'm the only one with an issue. And I'm mm-hmm. like, why does my life suck? And all of these people's lives are so fucking great. And they yeah. have everything they fucking want. They're not. And it's not at all. But it's easy, I think, to kind of get yeah into that mentality so it was kind of nice listening to these fucking therapy sessions where people have (laughs) way worse fucking issues than i will ever dream to have um i also listened to a couple episodes of true crime all the time which i like oh nice yeah i don't know if i've ever listened to that one i like them i like them a lot i like who you would like sinisterhood Oh, I've never even yeah. listened to that one They're like episode. a um, true crime creepy podcast. Yeah, it's two I've friends. Heard them. They're hilarious. I like them. What about you, Katie? Reading, watching, listening. Okay. I'm going to show you this one. I started this one. It's called What Lies hmm. Between Us by John Mars. I just like the cover. That gives me co- your vi- your cover yeah. vibes. The colors and the darkness with the yellowy orangey. Mm-hmm. What was it? What Lies? What Lies Between Us by oh, John Mars. Cool. And that sounds good. I usually would not pick up a book written by a man yeah. who's t- who's speaking from a woman's, who's writing a female character yes. from her point of view. Yes. And he's doing that. It's two female characters. One's like middle-aged and one's elderly. Okay. But he's doing, it's awesome. And maybe it's not even a man. Maybe John Mars is a, is a pseudonym. Could absolutely know. be. I doubt it. But, um... But he's doing okay. He's getting my seal of approval so far. Sometimes I see m- many more successful traditionally published male thriller authors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I could see a woman yeah. doing that. Yeah. You never know. I finished Heart Bones by Colleen Hoover and I had just had to get all that love out of my mouth <laughs> and get back to what like I really out of your enjoy. Mouth, huh? It was just it was love in my <laughs> mouth. <laughs> I, just, I just don't read a lot of romance. Yeah. It's not your it, It's not my thing, especially like new adult on a beach it's not my thing well you don't but like new I adult still, no you don't like beach no you don't like love no <laughs> you don't like people i like love i like love <laughs> oh that's true okay i like a love story being like third in the book but and also like i don't want the whole thing to and, be about love yeah maybe you know a little I mean? suspense a yeah. little like mm-hmm. more of a little tragic love story yeah and this like is a romeo was, and juliet vibe. this was still very it was very tragic was book, it Heart i Bones still haven't was. read it yeah some parts were really hard to read hmm. for me what else watching nothing really criminal minds me and tanner did solve a cold case last night a fictitious cold case so it's kind of like, if you've ever heard of Hunt a Killer, mm-hmm. it's called Unsolved Case Files. Oh, cool. I like that. And they're on Amazon. I would love to do that. It was really fun. Yeah. It took us like two hours. Okay. Listening. I actually hadn't listened to any podcast at all until today because I had like most of the day to myself. Right. I listened to three episodes of Supernatural with Ashley Flowers. So the ones I listened to today were The Exorcism of Roland Doe. He's the Ooh, one that, that he's a little me. boy that the, um, the Exorcist book and movie were 
stronger based off yeah, of. Yeah, I can't listen. I, I can't anything with exorcisms. <laughs> I listened to that one today. I listened to The Devil Made Me Do It Murder. Like the 18-year-old kid murders his fiance's boss. Oh, and no. they're saying that he, it's because he was possessed by the devil and he caught it from his fiance's like brother. It's 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 a mess. Oh. But it's interesting. And then I listened to the Travis Walton abduction, the alien abduction. Okay. And I guess that's it. Yeah. I haven't been doing a whole lot because I started homeschooling again. Yeah, I can. This past week. We both had quite the week, I think. Yeah. And it was my hell week, which is the week before my period. That's what I call it. Okay, guys. I think that was a really good episode. I I like that. That was interesting. That's good. Yeah. We should do more cons and swindles in the future. Yeah. If you guys like this, you should let us know. Yeah. Let us know if you like this. Where can they let us know? You can send us an email at cruelandunusualthepod at gmail.com. You can check out our Instagram at cruelandunusualthepod. I tweet at cruel unusual pod you can see our merch you can see our source material you can see stuff about our books at cruelinkmedia.com and then we also have the facebook page. we've got the facebook page and the facebook group mm-hmm. we love the group yeah we like the group that is cruel and unusual colon the group on facebook so come in join us join a cult join the coven and say hello i think that's fucking it i think that's it all right yeah i'm i'm out we love you love you bye bye